Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. up on today's NFL Live, we follow along as Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski goes diving with sharks without a cage, if you notice it there. And with training camp upon us, we look at top off-season storylines. All right, we're going to bust out our matter meter to tell you how impactful they will be during the regular season. So lots of fun debates coming up here on the show. Welcome to NFL Live on this Friday. Got my friend Jeff Jollington here, Karen Woodson. I guess you're my friend too, Dave. Mm-hmm. I'm Diana Rossini. You know, guys, it's coming. Can you feel it? Well, it's already here, of course. That in Baltimore. Real football is back. We're talking Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, even a little RG3 out on the field together for day two of the Ravens practice. The quarterback situation in Baltimore may be one of the most interesting quarterback situations going on in the league, especially with Lamar Jackson right there. So a lot of conversation here leading into camp over the last few weeks, and we are finally here, guys. Lamar Jackson perhaps putting a little pressure on their starter, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. So, Jeff, let's start with you. How do you, you see sure this? You want, to, you want to start with me? You I want do... the rational perspective from Damian? <laughs> or do you want the irrational perspective from I want me? to talk about how you see this yes, playing you, out. You, and you because I, call me Damian. You know, you know, that, it's Darren. Woody. Oh, we did that already. Right? We, we start over. You know, that's what that's what uh, that's yeah. what Jack Collins yeah. did last year. He <laughs> called he called Demarco Demarcus. Exactly. Yeah, I just play, except I'm much better friends yeah. with you than yeah. that. Uh, anyway, Damien. <laughs> no, look, here's what happened. Uh, here's what I think in this situation. I think Lamar Jackson is going to eventually take this starting job because of the pressure he is going to apply through the fan base on this organization. I truly do. I think that. He is electric. Joe Flacco is not. I, I, I understand, and you're going to give me the more rational perspective, Darren, mm-hmm. but it is a situation where I feel the Tebow thing coming on. I feel like this market is thirsting for an electric, dynamic player at True. that position, and Lamar Jackson is he. Yeah, and I think he will provide that, but not at the quarterback position and probably won't happen this year at all. I think he will see situational plays, maybe at the quarterback position, maybe at the wide receiver position. But this position right now, this is not going to be a quarterback battle. We just talked to the old chief, Bill Polian, yesterday on the set. He said the same thing. This will not be a quarterback battle. This will be uh, Joe Flacco's job the entire season unless, and this is where it may change, unless – they get to a point during this season where it's they're out of the playoffs, there's nowhere to go, or Flacco gets hurt, and then you'll see you'll see uh, Jackson come in. But this just sounds I'm a believer like Flacco is going to be this, the guy. This sounds like as the reporter going into the locker room, hearing the coach speak, Bill. He's he's saying <laughs> Bill Polian, of course. Of course Bill says that. That's what Bill would say as a GM too. And I'm just saying, Diana, we've seen it time and time again. You go. Through a season, and they say, no, 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 it's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, it's called Cleveland. 
they did that. No, 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 it's not going to happen. We're riding, we're riding, you know, with Deshaun Kaiser. Time and time again. Things change all the time. But you're talking I, about this. I'm in the camp of, the, of I think Joe Flacco is going to be Absolutely. the starter, remain the starter. I think he's going to have one of the best seasons of his career because of the pressure. The last time we saw him have pressure on him, he was in a contract year. He went out there, won a Super Bowl. I think this is what Joe Flacco needs. He needs he's the hype. Push, yeah. Yeah, and, and who knows what RG3 could perhaps oh. do out there. Uh, I'm sorry, those are my D.C. roots coming I, out I, a little I, bit. I, but, you know how I feel about RG3. I think that, but I, I would say that Lamar Jackson right now is the guy yeah. who's got the. I just can't believe we're having this conversation. Like, you actually think that early on in this season that Lamar Jackson's going to be a starter. He, for has, the type, he has the type of magnetism yes. that will create the type of uproar that's going to apply and I'm to pressure. Sure, and I'm sure the fan base is going to cr- create that uproar, but right. it's going to be about two things coaching staff and John Harbaugh, who's a veteran coach. Right. Ozzy, who's still involved. And Eric DeCosta, who's and, a very... DeCosta, and that locker room. That's where it's going to be. It's not going to be about the fan base. It's going to be what's happening in that locker room. Well, if they're that smart, that's what they keep it to. They don't listen to the fans. We'll but see. The, Joe Flacco's relationship with Lamar Jackson has been really interesting to keep an eye on, right? Because remember, Lamar said he hadn't talked to Joe. Well, today, now that camp is in session, they do talk, but... Our nation reporter that covers the Baltimore Ravens for us, Jamison Hensley here, he's worth a follow for sure, tweeted out that Joe Flacco was asked whether the questions about Lamar Jackson will get annoying throughout the season. He said, no, I don't I don't because I think we're going to win and we're not going to hear about it, Flacco said. And that's probably a good way to get around it, right? That's a good approach. That is. That's true. If they win, it's not going to be a problem. The, the experience that he brings and the confidence that he can bring to this position, you have to figure he can rule it out that that he's not going to feel the pressure of Lamar Jackson. But at some point, maybe they may make a decision to put him in because he's not getting it done. Where do you see Lamar Jackson perhaps coming in to become a starter? What week do you think? For the Ravens, do you see this maybe happening? Maybe. 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 They have to be out of the playoffs. Darren thinks it's 2020. That's it? And look, they got, they got to be out of the playoffs or Joe Flacco goes down with injury. Then you'll see Mark. I just don't see Jackson early in this season. I don't see him coming in week seven, week six. And I'm not saying they may not. They may lose three straight games throughout the season. They're going to stick with their veteran quarterback, Joe Flacco, because that's what they know. Until they get out of the running, then you will see Jackson, a possibility of Jackson. Can, can I play the, the ahead, irrational fan real quick? What happens if in preseason, Lamar Jackson, albeit against maybe inferior competition, just balls and you out? You just said it. And you. What just if he just looks electric? What if he looks I hate that. like Michael Vick? <laughs> he, and he, probably, he will look probably better than Michael Vick. I hear what you're saying as well. I think going into camp, the smart decision for them is going to stick with, with, with what the they know a guy decision. they can run their offense. You think Joe Flacco's done? Oh, that. You think he's done? You think, you know, we joke about no, I think is he Joe is Flacco really, really kidding about it? He's it, very capable of continuing his success, yes. But you brought up the locker room yesterday when we were talking about this very discussion and m- keeping the locker room behind you. The older a quarterback gets, the less grip he has on the locker room. I think when you have a younger team, you wind up. Tom Brady's 40, going to be yeah, 40 when he's going to You're talking about the greatest of all That's time. All right, sorry. Well, let's keep Tom Brady yeah. out then. I, I don't think any. Why do you think any? Josh McCown, he's old. He, he, sorry, Josh, but, you know, he, he's, he's got a tight. And he, Sam Darnold's going to get that job, too, by week one. But, but that's something that Josh hey, McCown's he, well aware of. Joe Flacco doesn't want to give that job. There's something to be said about a veteran presence in the locker room. There's something to be said about having that guy. Even though you have you may have a younger, talented guy that's behind him. Yeah. There's something about Sundays when you when they roll it out, roll that ball out there. You want your guy that's been there, who's gone through the battles, who's seen Pittsburgh 18 times, not 
the young rookie who's coming in, who's well, flashy you know, every once in a while. I feel and, you. And we still don't know. I mean, we're, we're having this conversation. We're still don't, we still don't know. We haven't seen Jackson in action no, in, that's in, right. in the NFL. This isn't like the Dallas Times where, you know, we're talking Romo Prescott exactly. situation where we saw not, what Dak could do. Exactly. We don't thing, know. Last thing I'll say on this before you take it. I, I get it. I'm not saying it's the <laughs> smart decision. To go with Lamar Jackson, I'm just saying yeah, that I, I eventually it's it's gonna the, the, yeah. the noise is gonna rise. No, no, I think there are Ravens fans out there right, right there going that that Jeff Darlington <laughs> knows a little something. <laughs> All right, meantime, no quarterback uh, competition or situation <laughs> controversy in Houston, right? The uh, Houston Texans they they report to camp next Wednesday. Their starting quarterback Deshaun Watson expects to be a full go. The second year quarterback, of course, coming off his knee injury. Well, he talked to the NFL Network about what he expects. I feel great. Uh, I'm getting ready for next week when we report to Greenbrier, and I'm going to be full go. Like training camp great or like I'm going to throw 50 touchdowns great? Both. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going 50 plus, so I'm going for it all. Ooh, we're going to get to that 50-plus conversation in a sec. But first, in terms of, of Deshaun Watson's health, this is his second knee injury in his career. He, of course, tore that ACL in college. Now again here with the Texans. Jeff, what do you know? I mean, by all means, by everybody you speak to in the Texans organization, there is no qualms. There is no concern. It doesn't feel like uh, the Carson Wentz situation where they're, like, really nervous about getting him back on the yeah. field. Mind you, with very different timelines. But this is still a player who's eight months out. Uh, torn his ACL in no- November 2nd. So we're looking at a guy right now that wasn't even wearing a brace on his knee during OTAs. It feels very much like those young legs are doing him justice, and I expect to see him full go throughout training camp. Probably the part of that interview that stood out the most to all of us here is that we heard him mention that he wants to go for 50 <laughs> touchdowns this year. You know, he had that smirk on his face. But yeah, he did. Guys, yeah. that's a lot of touchdowns. That's three a game there. Uh, you think this can happen, Darren? Look, there's only two people that have ever done it. That's Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So, I, you know, that's, those are hard numbers to get to. And if he can get close, maybe 40, that's a, that's a very successful oh season. Yeah. I don't think he gets to 50. I honestly don't. I think, he's, I think they'll, they'll manage him a lot differently than what they probably did last year. He's coming off an ACL surgery. And not only that, the defenses have had a year, an entire year, to figure out what he does, what his strengths and what his weaknesses are. And right now, you know, we're just sitting here guessing that he's going to have a great season. We have to sit and wait and see how healthy he is, how much uh, he's learned from last year, and how defenses are going to adjust. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I I also look at – look, I'm not – now all of a sudden I'm going to be the rational guy after talking about Lamar Jackson. (laughs) But I just think it is important. And he was having fun right then. I'm not trying to say that he's putting his expectations too high. I love his confidence. I just think that it's important to also scale back expectations a little bit from the standpoint that he was excellent last year when he was in there. And I think he will continue to be excellent. But just make sure that we allow him to continue his growth at a decent pace and not just – Expect him to start so no like sophomore Lamar slump. Jackson. Yeah. We're not, we're not no. saying this is going to be a sophomore slump. No, I don't think it's going to be a slump. No. I just think that he's, he, t- t- 50 touchdowns. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of touchdowns. That's certainly one of those headlines where you have to see the interview. 100%. Because at first I was like, wait, why is he putting these expectations on himself? He, of course, uh, I think he just said that with tongue-in-cheek. But, of course, he's setting setting the goal uh, as, as high yeah. as he possibly can, as he should. Uh, you know, you actually mentioned uh, other quarterbacks to, to um, finish with 50 
touchdowns in a season. Of course, Tom Brady did it back in 2007. A 65-yard pass to Randy Moss in Week 17 against the Giants gave him his 50th passing touchdown of the season, making him the first quarterback in history to throw for 50. Brady also ran for a pair of touchdowns that year. <laughs> uh, we've all seen him run. Uh, that gave him 52 passing and rushing scores during New England's 16-0 regular seasons as he continues to practice his rushing touchdowns. We saw his Instagram videos a few weeks ago. Then six years later, Brady was answered by Peyton Manning. He began his second season in Denver with a record-tying seven-touchdown performance against the Ravens in Week 1. And, man, he did not let up that season. He finished with 55. He added one on the ground, finished with a ridiculous 56 scores in 16 games. That's an average, of course, of three and a half touchdowns per game. I did that math off the top of my head, by the way. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that was in the script. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and <laughs> I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire, but with Geico, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. Back here on the NFL Live, we're going to go inside the headlines. We begin with the first headline, which reads, NFL, NFL PA announced standstill on anthem rules after the Dolphins report. Here was the, the statement on the anthem rules from the NFL, NFL PA. The NFL and NFLBA, through recent discussions, have been working on a resolution to the anthem issue. In order to allow this constructive dialogue to continue, we have come to a standstill agreement on the NFLAPA's grievance and on the NFL's anthem policy. No new rules relating to the anthem will be issued or enforced for the next several weeks while these confidential discussions are ongoing. Back here in studio, Jeff Darlington, Darren Woodson here. Jeff, let's begin with you. Uh, you know, what are you, what are you hearing around the league about this? Well, that statement, the result of a frenetic five hours yesterday evening after the Dolphins, the report came out that the Dolphins could potentially suspend a player for up to four games if, in fact, they decided to protest during the national anthem. That, though, not the full story, something that the Dolphins certainly became frustrated by. My conversations with sources saying, in fact, that they have no anticipation of suspending players up to four games, but were required to file paperwork with the NFL before the start of camp, just as all other 31 teams will have to do. The Dolphins, because they reported with rookies earlier than most, had to file their paperwork earlier than most. And under the conduct detrimental umbrella within uh, the nine-page statement that they made to the league, they did in fact say that the maximum penalty will be four games. So why would they do that? They did it because they have not yet decided what the discipline will be, but by putting that in there, at least they can hedge it back later through discussions. They can never, they can't add more to it after the fact. So it's a very complicated situation. One, the NFL ultimately realizing that this is going to be the same problem for 31 other teams when they file similar paperwork. Everybody's going to scrutinize it. So they said, hey, let's put this thing on hold. Let's get the toothpaste back in the in the tube <laughs> yep. and see if we can't figure this out and roll it out in a better manner. It's interesting, though, to wonder, I wonder if there's other teams that, that have 
turned in that paperwork yet because obviously the Dolphins aren't the only ones that had rookies report early. We have teams reporting now, you know, that, that being um, we should, we should point, the, the, yeah, the, we the should, Ravens and the Bears. We should point out that generally speaking, this also isn't something, this was uncovered by the Associated Press, not something that is necessarily for public dissemination. I'm not saying that there are not other reporters in other markets that were um, that couldn't certainly get yeah. their hands on it, but not necessarily something that they were trying to find because it's it's every year teams file this exact paperwork. It's the annual discipline schedule. This year, though, it happened to contain wordage about the national anthem mm-hmm. policy, and that's where this became a controversy, unexpected both to the Dolphins and to the NFL. That perhaps where we should say. Maybe yeah. maybe we should have seen this coming. That's really good inside information. What was your reaction to, to, to the standstill? Your confusion. I mean, yeah. I, I've been confused. You and everybody all else. Yeah, we, we've all been confused. I, I like the way uh, it was it Chris jo- Christopher Johnson, the owner of the New York Jets, came out early yeah. on. Basically, yeah. said, "Look, I, I could care less." If you're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna, the league's gonna find my team. I'm still gonna pay those fines for the players. At least there's some leadership involved, and I think that's where the confusion is. The players want leadership. The players want dialogue, and I think that's my biggest issue with this situation because there is no leadership with this. We don't. We're, there's not one person on the league side that's really stood up and guided this thing in the right direction. Nor has it been complete dialogue from both the player side and the ownership side. And Darren, to, to your point. When you, when you do make a rule, it does require objective measures. And right now, nobody feels like there are objective measures in place to determine exactly what discipline would be for what protest would merit that discipline. A lot of questions left, Diana, hence the reason why we're seeing that joint statement from the NFL and the NFLPA. Yes. All right. Well, we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on that as we are 48 days away from uh, kickoff. But meantime, the second headline here from the Boston Globe, headline reads this. Julian Edelman reportedly won't fight his four-game PED suspension. So some news there. So, Jeff, let's start there. Uh, Edelman's not fighting this. Why? Well, first of all, Edelman did feel like he had a good case going into his appeal, and he felt like he did have a chance of winning. But ultimately, he's taken advice uh, from Tom Brady plenty of times throughout his career, and perhaps he saw what Brady went through with his own legal drama and uh, and, and realizes, by the way, how difficult it is oh, yeah. to go up yeah. against the league when it comes to disciplinary measures in the court of law. We already have a lot of precedent of situations where people have had those uh, types of appeal, not only with the NFL, but in the court of law, uh, snapped back because the collective bargaining agreement does give the NFL quite a bit of power. Obviously, this hurts uh, the Patriots' offense. How does it change the way they look, at least coming out those first four games? Look, I, I think Gronk is always going to be their number sure. one target. But when you look at this Patriots' offense, you know, Edelman, they missed Edelman last year. Not only did they miss who he did, what, what he could do in the slot receiver spot as far as matching up one-on-one and beating one-on-one coverage. They missed his toughness, and he's the catalyst. I mean, we normally there's a running back who has that physical play or the tight end who has a lot of the physical play or is a trash talker or whatnot. This guy right here is the trash talker. He's the one that when he gets going and he gets motivated, the team is looking at him to be that guy that's getting everyone else motivated along with him. So I I think Tom Brady's really going to miss him, especially when it's third down and short because no one can cover him in the slot. It's a great point because, like, Braxton Berrios, a guy that they drafted out of Miami, I actually really like him as a player and think he's the type of wide receiver that could fit a little bit into this mold. But what you said about Edelman's, like, tenacity – and his heart and his will, that's something that goes a lot further than maybe people give it credit for. A difficult thing to replace. Really, almost impossible to replace. And obviously something Tom Brady feeds off. We've seen him in in all those videos of how fired up he gets. 
All right, back here on NFL Live. What moves mattered most in 2017, right? Now that we can look back and think all about it, well, the Eagles, they released Chase Daniel to replace him with Nick Foles. Remember when that happened, guys? We're like, no way this is going to be good for them. Bring in Tony Romo out of the booth. Remember when I said that? That was stupid. Then the Saints drafted both the offensive and defensive rookies of the year, but it wasn't just Alan Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore, rookies Marcus Williams, Ryan Ramchek. Man, they were big for New Orleans. And then the Rams, they replaced Jeff Fisher with Sean McVay. And then the Vikings, they found lightning on bottom with Case Keenum, who had signed a one-year deal and ran that Viking offense. Keenum wound up with a two-year deal. He is, of course, over in Denver now playing there. All right, so right now on ESPN.com, our nation reporters put together a list of the most important moves for each team during this offseason. So we want to see how much this will actually matter as a whole to the team's success. This is our matter meter, and basically 1 through 10, guys, 10 sure. being like this, it really matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, explained it to you. Looked at me yeah, like, we yeah, it. we got it. We got it. I'm the stupid one. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's begin with Jeff, guys. Uh, the, the Vikings, they signed two pro bowlers this offseason, right, Kirk? Cousins and Sheldon Richardson. Right. So give me the matter meter here. In the words of Billy Bob from Varsity Blues, that's a 10. It's a 10. And I say that because there is no more important thing for a team that is potentially destined for the Super Bowl than getting that franchise quarterback. And that is exactly what the Vikings did. They built the Super Bowl team, and then they added the cherry on top. So there is no way that you can say anything in any offseason is more important than this. And we will also throw in Sheldon Richardson in there. By the way, that was a really good pickup. On a one-year deal, he's going to really be playing for a bigger contract next year, a Pro Bowl player who feels like he got snubbed in this free agency. So it's hey, as important as it gets right here. Exactly. Not sure if he's still that Pro Bowl player, Sheldon we'll Richardson. See. Yeah, that's we'll, right. we'll see about that. But, Kirk, you're right. This team was right there last year. Went to the, the NFC Championship team. They, It's Super Bowl or bust for, the, right. for the Minnesota Vikings. And Kirk Cousins has to be the guy that takes wow. him there. I got one for you, Diana. Oh, okay. Saquon Barkley. How much will he matter to the Giants this season? I'm going to go one less than a 10. I'm going to go with nine. Nine. And my thought process mm. here is that they've got plenty of weapons in Odell Beckham Jr., Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. But I think Eli could use another option there on offense. And, and listen, the hype surrounding Saquon Barkley is the ultimate, I would say, probably of all the draft picks this past season, probably with the exception of Sam Darnold in terms of the pressure that's on him. But given that they were 26th ranked in rushing last season, they could certainly uh, use a great runner there. And, of course, giving him uh, Eli Manning plenty of options, his speed and quickness, ideal uh, for Pat Shermer-type offense. So that's what I think. You think it's a 10 there? You think I was a little light on that? Because I almost went uh, you're, 10. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're right. I'm right around right. there. It's close. Hey, listen, this team has to run the ball. Yeah. They have yeah. to run the ball. They just exactly. can't rely on Eli Manning to win no, no. games for them all no the way. time. They, they have to run the football. All right. You're up next. Uh, Eagles. Actually, no. Let's go back to Jeff. Yeah. They made a, a, some big trades in the uh, offseason, yeah. right? They traded for Michael Bennett. So give me uh, a little matter move here. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go pr- pretty high on this. I'm going to go to seven. And I mean, oh. it's not that high, but, but it's, it, it's high enough to, to have probably more of an impact than people are thinking. And I say that because while the Eagles are a championship team, even without him, they did lose two people along their defensive front through both free agency and, uh, and, and uh, releasing one. So I do think it's going to be important to that for this team, this culture, to continue to shore things up as they try to continue their success. 
while Michael Bennett might not be the same player we necessarily remember him yeah. as from the Seahawks, I do think this is pretty important for the Eagles to kind of continue yeah. to churn out big wins. All right, Darren, the Panthers, they trade for Torrey Smith. Mm. So show me in the meter. How much does it matter? I would say a four. Well, listen, I, you know, Torrey Smith in his eighth year, I, I, you get a good a deep yeah. threat, but you're not talking about a number one receiver. You're not talking about a yeah. guy that can, you know, every, you know, run great routes all the time. He's a guy that takes the top off the defense. He gets deep for you. But at the same time, I think the North Turner, bringing in North Turner this year and that's the relationship right. between he and Cam Newton, that's going to be an eight or a nine, uh, depending on that. But when you look at Torrey Smith, great locker room guy. Make the big plays, but he's a guy that you won't, you're not sitting there thinking, okay, yeah. I gotta figure out a way to game plan for Tory Smith. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I, I'm in agreement with you. I, there's nothing here that I think is crazy in terms of where you guys are putting this. So. Well, let's see if you can get a little crazy. Calvin Ridley, Diana, what do you think about his addition to the Falcons and how much that could matter? I'm going 10 on this. What? Wow, here's why. Here. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen with Julio Jones, first of all, right? But here's the other thing. Nick Saban, recently was on ESPN talking about how he is one of the greatest receivers to ever play at Alabama. Saban says that about all his guys. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin recruiting. Ridley had more catches and touchdowns per games at Alabama than Julio Jones did. And just the, the fact that Matt Ryan is going to have finally a, a number two receiver that he can rely on. No offense to Mohamed Sanu. He's a good receiver. Mm. But I know down in Atlanta, they think that this guy is going to be the difference maker and give, or at least get Julio Jones open in more opportunities. But a 10? A 10. He's your number yeah. three That's guy. Cousins. He's oh, your number three guy. 10. He's your number three receiver. They picked him. They were their first. It was their first overall. choice in the draft. So, 26 overall, but that's what they could have gone anywhere else to improve. That's way, and they went receiver. I'm going that's way too and high. And I'm sticking with it. No, it's know, way man. too high. That's way too high. Yeah, that's, that's, I'd say six, five. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll go right up there with the opinion I had about Tony Romo going to, uh, <laughs> to Philly. So, <laughs> Let's talk about the 2017 offseason moves for the AFC. How much do the Texans fans feel about their quarterback situation than they did before last year's draft? Well, Deshaun Watson was electric before his knee injury. How about first-round pick Leonard Fournette? He sparked a Jags offensive improvement while free agent signing Calais Campbell made a huge impact on what could be the league's best defense. And finally, it took Sean McDermott's one season, that's it, to end the league's longest playoff drought. McDermott's Bills reached the playoffs for the first time since 99. That stay, though, eh, a little short. But they got there. That's all that matters, right? All right, so again, right now on ESPN.com, our nation reporters have put together a list of the most important moves for each team during this offseason. So we are going to figure out how much it really matters in terms of uh, our, our matter meter here. Uh, each of us are going to go 1 through 10, 10 being uh, the most important. Thanks, so thanks let's for, begin with for, Jeff. Guys giving yeah. me a hard time today. Uh, Jeff, Jeff's <laughs> trading up in the draft to get quarterback Sam Darnold. How much did it matter, though? Well, Diana, in the last segment we were talking about, uh, about Kirk Cousins, and, and I called him a 10. That's how important it was. I'm going to say an 8 here, even though this is – Critical, and I do believe that Darnold will be the starter week one. I just want to say that the Jets are not necessarily there. Like, the Vikings feel like they're on the cusp of a Super Bowl. All they need is that quarterback. The Jets still have a little bit to go. So while it is incredibly important, uh, I just think because the team not quite ready to actually maybe harness... It's the quarterback. quarterback. It's the franchise it quarterback. The quarterback. What would you say, He's, Ken? I would say it absolutely. He's your future. I just don't think – I agree with that. I just don't think they're there yet. 
You're not like Kirk. I hand it out a ten. I don't just throw out. Tens. Oh, you just don't throw out tens. No, I just don't throw out tens. Oh, okay. I like to save mm-hmm. like, like someone for here. special uh, yeah. occasions, okay. and I just think that uh, this no, was neat. Ten. I, I'm going with you. I'm agree with. I'm with Darren. Well, I, mean, I, I love tens, but I'm 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 agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you on that. Thank I mean, you. I love tens Thank too. Thank you. But but the reason is, well, first of all, the pressure for for Sam Darnold going into this yeah. is extreme because of the, what the Jets have been saying about him, saying that the, he's going to change the direction of this of this franchise. But they do have a good situation at the quarterback spot in terms of the competition. I think they're the uh, one yeah. of the most interesting teams right now Absolutely. at the quarterback position with Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, even. You know, yes. yeah, that, I was no, just talking to a lot of players at the ESPYS a couple. Days ago, they were all saying, "Watch out for Teddy Bridgewater, man. He he he's a guy that can win a starting spot." Yes. Donald starting. I think Donald starts too. I'm, you I'm think with you, he's man. starting I, week and, and, one? And if you think yeah. he's starting in week one? He's got to be a ten. It's just if that you go really, that way. Give the man. Are we a 10. talking about the next five years? Are we talking about this year? This year. This year. The Jets yeah, against the, Jets the Lions. Aren't be that relevant anyway. Yeah. Go anyway, yeah, go carry on. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that later. I'm nonsensical today. Right. You are. That is nonsensical. Meantime, Darren, the Raiders, they hired uh, our former colleague, John Gruden, to a 10-year, $100 million contract. How impactful was this move? That would be a nine. That yeah, would absolutely not only – it's, it's close enough, but it's a nine based on these <laughs> factors. This – Gruden had to come in and not only fix the dysfunction within this locker room yeah. – but fix the quarterback position. Derek Carr is going to be is a superstar in his first year, first couple of years. Gruden's going to take him to the next level, and they need a coach with the personality that can take them to Las Vegas at the same time that can handle that locker room. I think John Gruden, and you know he's a hundred million dollar coach. I think this is the right decision. I have to give them a so nine on the matter. Darnold is more important to the Jets than Gruden is to the Raiders, is what you're saying? Uh that's a good point there. Here, here, I, I would yeah, say, I wanna, no, no, I'm going to say You can't compare the two. Let's not compare the two. Oh, okay. Here's That's why, exactly what we do. Here's why I also think John Gruden is so important. All eyes have been on Derek Carr since he signed that contract. Right. Yes. He had a down year. We're not going to be paying attention to him as much as we're going to be paying attention to him. He draws some of that pressure and attention away, away from, from his quarterback. Yes, and right. I think that helps somebody like Derek Carr, who is shown to, to struggle a little bit in some high-pressure moments. So. Put the pressure on you, Diana. Uh Chiefs replacing Alex Smith with Pat Mahomes. Ooh, I'm going to really throw you guys off because I know I've been uh, going high in here. I'm going 10 again now. Are you really? Uh, yeah. Here's why I'm going 10. They're what? What? Just Go roll with me here. I'm, I am. They had one of the, the most productive offenses last year, right? They've got tons of weapons. They are everywhere. They had great success with Alex Smith. But we know that Andy Reid, deep down, wanted to play this guy, his guy. That being Patrick Mahomes. The move here, it makes sense. It's smart for them to do this. And the word in Kansas City is Patrick Mahomes is ready. For real? He's ready. He, he is get, for he's, real, though. He's getting and understanding the Andy Reid offense already. I'm with you on this one. Ten? Yeah. Ten, absolutely. I'm going with the ten. Listen, this guy's on. You hear Talk to anyone in Kansas City. They're telling you the same thing. Agreed. This guy is lights out, big arm, has a swagger about him, a confidence about him. Mm-hmm. I think, hey, and, and right. weapons around him. So, yep. say ten. Ten. All right, someone that doesn't ten. have too many weapons around him, that being Andrew Luck. But, man, all eyes are certainly on this quarterback here. And our Colts reporter, Mike Wells, just tweeted this out. He said... Andrew Luck is good to go for the start of training camp with no limitations on what he can do. GM Chris Ballard said Luck will not throw seven days a week during training camp, but he needs to play 
But it is a fine line. And I, I do find this very interesting, though, because I remember speaking to some people in the league about what Andrew Luck is going to do this training camp. And someone pretty reliable said, keep an eye on how much he practices. If he's taking days off, mm. even though he's out there, he may not. He may be close to 100%, but he's not out 100% you know what, just though? yet. That's okay. Cam Newton was there last training camp, too, and I remember feeling surprised at training camp that he was taking a lot of days off as he came back from his shoulder. Yeah. At least Andrew Luck is now, we're talking about taking literally the limitations off at, at some point in practice where he's throwing real footballs. Like, that, that to me is the big concern when he wasn't doing anything. Listen, they're, they're going to throw at his limit. They're going to limit his throwing. They're going to they're put a, a, a cap on how many throws right. he can make per day, per week, or whatnot. And I think they should do that. That's right. This, this guy hasn't played in how many, I, two I, years? You know, You've got to take time. I'm reading the graphic underneath here, and I, I realize I'm downplaying how big this, this news is. Huge. When was the huge. last, you know, we have not been able to say that Andrew Luck will have no limitations at the start of camp in, in, in almost two seasons. No, so this, is, yeah. so this, is, this uh, is a big deal, you know, for, for the Colts and, and good news in, in terms of, of this upcoming season. It'll, it will be interesting, though, t- to see how they limit him, how much rest he's getting. This and is he's still really 100%. Because we have been led to believe that Luck was almost there for over a year now. So this is very significant yeah. news that he is starting to training camp yeah. with no limitations. No, it's good. it's good for indie fans, man. Back here on NFL Live, you know, every NFC Team West has a division title since 2012, and it got even more interesting. The Rams are going all in with trades for Brandon Cooks, Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, and Dominican Sue. The Niners, they're a long way. C.J. Beathard, Jimmy Garoppolo signed his big ticket extension, and San Francisco also signed Derek McKinnon and is a big piece of Kyle's Shanahan's offense. And there was turnover in the desert. Bruce Arians, Carson Palmer, both retiring. Steve Wilkes, head coach now. Sam Bradford, rookie Josh Rosen now at the quarterback spot. But no NFC Team West took bigger hits than the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle cut Richard Sherman, traded Michael Bennett before watching Cam Chancellor potentially retire. So... Todd Gurley recently spoke to the Rams wire on the Seahawks changes. Here's what he said. He said, hey, you know, we're happy about it. We have to take advantage of the situation while we can. Those guys have been beating up on us for a while now. It's definitely time for us to come in and try to take over this division and try to be back-to-back champs. I can tell you Todd Gurley does not sound like that the way I was saying it, but (laughs) those words are his. I was talking like a cheerleader there. Uh, So, Darren, though. Love Based it. on the words that you're reading here. Love it. You like Love it? Love it. Listen, he's not talking about championships and winning the Super Bowl. He's right. talking about taking care of the division, goal one. which is goal number one. Win your division and then things will take care of themselves. Yeah. I love the way, the way he came out and said that. All right. So, Gurley said that. But how do you guys see this division playing out, Jeff? If you were to put together the NFC West division based on, right. on what you know, what you think, some of your opinion here. Give me first through fourth. First of all, I agree with Todd Gurley that it is time for them to take the division and take it by a storm, and that's why I have this here. I personally think, I mean, you can look at both of these and see that me and Darren do disagree perhaps on second and third place. I'd be willing to flip-flop those. Seattle dealing with some growth issues, but I think that their leadership both in the front office and the head coach can harness some wins there. But uh, I just think that this is the Rams, amazingly, in just two years' time, are suddenly – Head and shoulders above the rest yes. of the division. Yeah, I think this is the obvious. I think the Rams are the obvious due to personnel and what yeah. we saw last year. This, these two right here are the. And my concern with Seattle is this: they lost their defensive coordinator. He's gone. Very fair. The Legion of Boom is no longer. Right. And this defense with the Seattle Seahawks has carried this team for years. 
Can the offense now, the offense is going to have to come around with Seattle, and can they carry wins? I don't see it. I think Kyle, I'll put my money on Kyle and I, hey, I'm with you. and that offense in San Francisco I, before Seattle. I feel you. And by the way, we put Arizona down here like they're an afterthought. If Sam oh. Bradford oh, comes yeah. in and lights it up and can stay healthy, that's not a bad – I mean, they could easily hop to three, maybe even two, but I just don't think it matters, nor do I think, Darren, I think you probably agree with me here, is that none of these teams – are likely to make the playoffs no. given the yeah. depth and talent in the, in the NFC. For sure. Right. Guys, let, let's get the challenge flags out here. Uh, sure. I want you guys to challenge. Jeff, you could to start us off here. Start? A challenge, yeah. a player, a team, anything. Go ahead. What do you I'm going to be honest. I'm going to cha- challenge Aaron Donald. And I'm not necessarily saying uh. it's time to take the deal that's on the table. I'm saying to be very careful about this. I do challenge you to maybe take – a second look about the fact that you've got a very, very lucrative offer on the table. If the narrative changes all of a sudden, you've got the fans on your back. If that shifts and the blame starts to point your way, mm. I don't think you want to go down that road. So I'd very seriously consider what's wow, on the table. Aaron Donald, huh? Okay, well, listen, I'm going to challenge Julio Jones. Listen, I understand you're the greatest, you're the best receiver in football right now. You've outplayed your contract. But at the same time, you have three years on this contract. In good faith, show up. The window of opportunity in Atlanta is squeezing. Make sure you get into camp. Yeah. yeah. All right. My final challenge, then. Bill Belichick. Oh, you Belichick here? I, I, my Belichick. God. I challenge you not to be so close to my face right now. But the challenge is to Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. to continue doing exactly what he's been doing, which is doing the right things, making the Giants feel secure in his behavior, and show up for training camp. Jersey just came out there. Sorry. Yeah. That'll do it for us here on NFL Live.